Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Dan is bringing you a teaching, so head over to crosswalkphoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Dan. If you have a Bible, you can get that out. If you have an app on your phone, uh, a good portion of what we're going to go through is in James chapter 4. But if you get your crosswalk notes out now, we can also, that will help you, uh, be, I can guide you through the message today. Before we begin, I'm going to tell you that, that there is one question that people ask me that drives me crazy. I, I hate this question, and I don't know if, if it bothers you too, but what I really don't like is when someone asks me, Dan, are you busy? I hate that, and, and, and the reason why is because I am busy every second of every day. And so sometimes I'm busy in a meeting for crosswalk, sometimes I'm busy taking a nap, sometimes I'm busy sitting in the chair in the sun thinking about nothing, but I'm busy, I'm doing something, and so technically I am busy all of the time. And so what's interesting about that is really, are you busy doesn't mean are you busy. And the reason why I know that is because I occasionally ask my wife, are you busy? And what that really means is, will you please drop everything that you're doing and come and help me with something that I want you to do immediately? Because I need your help right now. Or when I think about this with, with my girls, uh, when they're home and they, de- they say, Dad, are you busy? That means something a little different. That, that a lot of times means, can we talk? There's something that we, we kind of want to talk about. Or it means they need money and they don't want to lead with, Dad, can you give me money? So they start with, Dad, are you busy? But when you think about that, I don't know if, if you are like me when it comes to being busy, but right now, probably in my, I've opened them, but in my email, I probably have 300 plus messages that, that need some type of action. Uh, Jeff has given me a book called Getting Things Done uh, to help me do better on getting through those emails. He, he's given me uh, a software called To Do. And so on that, I have my list of 75 things uh, that need to be done. The ones that are overdue are in red. I can put the date that they need to be done by. And, and so it made me realize that, are you busy is a really loaded question because we all have a ton of things that need to be done. But as we look at today and Christmas hangover, this isn't about just being busy. This is about being booked. And now booked to me is a little bit different because this has to do with my calendar and my plans. And before Christmas, there, there was a, a couple that uh, is newer to Crosswalk. They're great people, people that I enjoy being around, my wife as well. And they asked us if we could, well, first of all, they asked me if I could meet with them, and I said I'd love to. And then they said, actually, if we're going to do that, why don't you have uh, Tanya come over too, and we'll have you over for supper. So that's a great idea. So I said, before we do that, I need to look at the Crosswalk calendar, I need to look at the growth group calendar. 
I need to look at my personal calendar. I need to look at my wife's personal calendar. I need to look at the Arizona Lutheran Academy girls basketball calendar and the Arizona Lutheran Academy soccer calendar because my daughters don't drive. And so if they have something going on, Tanya is probably going to have to, to drive them. And so we got all of these, these calendars together and their calendar and we didn't have supper. We, we, didn't, we haven't met yet uh, because it was, we were booked. We had, we had too many things going on. The crosswalk staff is, is like this as well. A year ago, we moved in, my wife and I and our family moved into the home in which we live. And we told the staff, we want to have you guys over to our new house. One year and one day later, it happened. And, and we finally got everyone together. And, and it, what really made me realize this was, it was on a New Year's Day from three to six is when everyone could make it. And, and what really made me su- surprised and it, it finally dawned on me what had happened was when my wife was giving tours of the house because no one had seen it before. And I thought, oh my goodness gracious. And so we have all these people, all these, and, and we finally got all the, the people together except one person came two hours late because he had someone to meet with, Jeff Gunn. Anyways, that's a whole nother story. But, but as you look at that, this, this whole idea of being booked, and, and remember, this is about a message, Christmas hangover, which means what I have just described to you, I'm not looking for sympathy or anything like that, but I'm assuming that your life is very similar to this. You have stuff to do. Uh, there, there are things on your schedule, there are things on your calendar, uh, your to-do list, things that you want to accomplish. Well, then you throw the holidays in there. And especially when Christmas Eve and and Christmas Day are on a Wednesday, Thursday, right in the middle of the week, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, the same thing. And if your job is is like my job, having a day off is kind of a joke. And, And the reason why is because you're given a day off, but everything that you got done in five days, there's an expectation that it will still be done, except now in four days. And so the, the pressure of that increases. And then you have family, right? The, the, when are we going to have family Christmas with your side of the family? When are we going to have family Christmas with my side of the family? Uh, is this going to be Christmas Eve, Christmas Day? Are we going to do it later in the week? Are we going to take a day off so that we can do it? How long do we have to be there? And what happens when, when you start to get these these tensions, there's just no way to get all of these things done in this time frame. There are things like that meeting with this family that that we just just didn't do, that, that they didn't make the calendar. And as a result, it can leave you feeling different ways. One of them is tired, just because so many things you have going on. But maybe you are a person who, who feels guilt, that you look at it and you say, you know what, I feel so guilty that we can't even get together with our family over Christmas. That's, that's so sad that these people, you know, they're family and we can't get together. Or maybe you're not a guilt person, maybe you're an anger person, 
that as you are thinking about a family member, you know, we hosted Christmas and we looked at everyone's schedules and we tried to make a day that would work for everyone and we got everything ready and they couldn't even show up. That's ridiculous. And so as you look at your, your Christmas hangover, it's not guilt, but it's anger. Or maybe it's frustration. Or maybe it's simply a matter of being overwhelmed that you look at it and you say, I give up. I don't know how to fit all of these things that need to be done into my schedule. Well, the good news today is we worship a God who has a lot on his plate too. And especially as we we look at this Christmas time of year, what God promises is that he has time for each and every one of us personally. That, that when God talks about his busyness or, or, or his idea of being booked, that it does not affect in any way his personal care and concern for you. And as you look at your schedule, the first part as we go through this message is to comfort you with that because God wants it to be. Uh, God wants it to be a comfort that, that he has a plan and things are under control. And then also, as we see that, to, to say, how does knowing that affect the plans we make? So we go into God's word, and, and we look at Psalm 33, verses 10 and 11. David writes, The Lord foils the plans of the nations. He thwarts the purposes of the peoples. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever, the purposes of his heart through all generations. And so as we look at this, this is idea of the, the plans of the nation versus the plans of God that, that he thwarts them, that God's plans prevail. And so in the first blank you can write, God is a planner. His plan trumps all other plans. God is a planner. His plans trump all other plans. And I want you to think about that just for a moment. And you don't have to read far in the Bible to find out that God is a planner. Go to the first book, the first chapter, Genesis chapter one. And in creation, you see how God is a planner. Six days uh, that he used to create the world. And on the seventh day, he, he ceased his creating activity. He rested. And the reason why is because the world as he wanted it was, was done. And each day of creation, it's interesting to see how each one builds on the one before it. And everything is done in an order and in a correct order in the way that it had to be done. What I find interesting is that even if a person does not believe in creation... Even if a person is an atheist, doesn't even believe in a God, and, and, and they believe that the world was created a different way by, by chance through evolution, that even today, you, you've probably heard the, the terminology of intelligent design. And, and that is one that is going on, that, that, that when the scientists are honest and they look at the creation and, and the building blocks of life and, and everything that, that has to be perfectly right in order for us to live and survive, that they realize there's no way this could have happened by accident. It, wasn't, it couldn't have been nature winging it, but there is an intelligent design to it. And that's what I'm talking about when I say that God is a planner. 
that, that he, from eternity to eternity, has a plan, that he knows what he is doing. Another place you can see God's plan is in the work of Jesus Christ. And, and so when Jesus came into this world, we're told that when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law. When the time had fully come. So when, when God's plan, when it, his plan met then time, I guess you could call that God's calendar but, or his plan, whatever you want to call it. But the reality of it is, is that God had a plan. And one way we're able to see that also is in all the, the prophecies in the Old Testament. He knew exactly what was going to happen, when it was going to happen, where it was going to happen. And so he, he told the prophets to tell the people, this is the way that it's going to happen. This is where you can look. This is what will happen uh, during the time period of, of the Christ. And so as Jesus did his ministry as well, as he helped people, as he healed the sick and the lame and the blind, as he performed miracles, all of those things, right according to God's plan, even up to his death, pain for sins of all people on the cross, his, his death and his resurrection three days later and later his ascension into heaven. All of these things were talked about by God who is a planner. And even though the Roman government, the, the Jewish leaders, the religious leaders of the day or whoever it was worked and even hell itself, Satan himself worked against those plans, God carried them out. God is a planner his plans trump all other plans. Let that soak in for a second. Because then you can stop talking about luck, good or bad, and coincidences and fate, but instead talk about a loving God who has a plan with you in mind. When Jesus came into this world, he also had a plan. This is from Mark chapter six. And, and this is interesting. As you look at God's plan and then you look at Jesus' ministry. And in this specific account in Mark chapter six, Jesus had sent out his disciples and now the disciples had come back. They had performed miracles. They had preached the good news. They had told the people that Christ is coming. He's here. His name is Jesus. And, and this is what happened. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So the plan with Jesus with his disciples was pretty clear. We've been doing a ton of work. We've been traveling all over the place. The plan is, let's uh, get in a boat, go across the lake, find a place where we can get some sleep, uh, find a place where we can recharge our batteries, uh, go back into the words and promises of God, take time to pray, and, and we will be ready for more ministry. But then verse 34, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Jesus' plans changed. And his, his plans changed because there was a need for the people and, and they were a priority in his ministry. In the blank, you can write, Jesus was willing to change his plans to help people. Jesus was willing to change his plans to help people. 
in his ministry, there were so many times that Jesus did that, and we're told why. We're, we're told in the Gospels that Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. That, that's what Jesus did in his ministry. He had plans. Ultimately, his plan was to go to the cross and, and go through the empty tomb. But, but with that plan, at the same time, was his plan to help people along the way. And that is why when, when people talk to me, one of the th- questions I've had people ask is, why bother praying? Why should I pray? If God has a plan and, and God is going to carry out that plan, why should I pray? And the reason why is because he tells us to and you are a priority in his life. He is working his plan and at the same time is sensitive to our needs and our conversation with him. One of the things that, that, I, that I told you is I hate it when people ask me, are you busy? But one thing that hurts me even more is when someone says, you know, pastor, I know you're really busy and you probably don't have time for this or, or you don't have time to talk to me. And, and, and so what happens is, is you're in this reality where you have a lot of things going on, but people are a priority, and, and so I just want to make this clear that, that as we, we conduct ministry, whether this is me or Jeff or Phil or Jonathan, Christy or whoever is on staff, that you are a priority. But there are going to be times like this family I told you about where I couldn't meet with them for a month. And, and it's been even longer than a month. And so I guess what I'm telling you is, is as I go through this, there are going to be times when I let you down and I disappoint you because I am not almighty and, and my plans change. But the promise here is that God, who is the one you truly need, always has time for you, will never let you down is there in your greatest need. And, and so that finally, when you look at what my job is as a pastor, it's to, to join hands with you and God and then to step, out, step back, step out of the way. And, and that is the relationship that you desperately need. Again, I don't mean to discount our need for each other and to be there for encouragement and help, and, and that is something we want to do, but we're human. God, on the other hand, is almighty. And what is the purpose of his plan? We go to Jeremiah 29, verse 11 and 12. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. Can fill in the blank right away. The purpose of God's plan is to save us or save me, or help me, or prosper me, or lead me to heaven, or any of those, all of those are correct. God's plan to prosper us, God's plan to save us. What's interesting about this from Jeremiah 29 is it's a wonderful promise about God's plan. But what you might not know is that this plan was given by Jeremiah right before the children of Israel were about to go into 80 years of captivity in a foreign country. So, so they would have heard this promise, great, God has a plan for us, everything's gonna be great. And then they were going to see the reality of their own life and say, I don't see it. What in the world is God doing? If God wants to help me, he wouldn't be having the Babylonians come. 
He wouldn't have me being dragged off to another country. I, I don't see a hope. I don't see a future. Which is what made this promise so important. For the people to see past what they were going through and to see even the painful thing that they were about to experience in this captivity was, was for their good, for their eternal good, to help them, to save them, to prosper them, and not only them, but their descendants who would come after them. I'm guessing there are things in your life that are similar to that, where, where you look at and you say, God, I don't get it. I don't understand what you are doing. I, I don't understand why this is, is so difficult. And so one other illustration that I like to use to, to just drive that home and, and help us understand it even more is the, the concept of an open heart surgery. Think about when, when someone goes in for open heart surgery, what you pay a doctor to do. Cut you open, break your sternum, spread it open, sometimes stop your heart, and if you were just someone who happened to be, you know, not know what was going on and look at that, you would think, what are they doing to them? They're killing them. Whereas if you talk to the doctor, they'd say, no, I'm not killing them. I'm saving them. And, and, and as you step back and, and they are able to see the bigger picture, you're able to see that's exactly what's going on. And, and as we look at this in our lives, it's important as well. Because God does put us through some painful things. Uh, things that we endure. Things that we wish would not linger. Things we wish would end. And, and, and sometimes we're in the middle, and it might be right now for you, you're in the middle of the surgery. And it's hard for you to see past it. And, and it's hard to see yourself going through it. And it's especially then when you need these promises. Promises of God's plan to prosper you, to help you, to give you hope and a future, and that ultimate future is in heaven. So that's how God plans. That, that's how he works. God's plan has a plan. The plan is to save people, bring you to be with him in heaven. And now we have a contrast, the contrast between that and the way that we tend to plan. In James 4, 13 and 14, now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes, all such boasting is evil." The first contrast is the contrast between God's plan to bring people to heaven and our plans. Let's make some cash, man. Let's get some money. Uh, let, let's go around and, and make as much money as we can so that, that we can take it easy and, and we can do what we want in our life. And that's the first part where, where you see. And, and I'm telling you that I think at all times, at some point, we think that way. And the reason why is we have a foot in two different worlds, right? Spiritually, we understand, yeah, I'm going to heaven. Jesus has taken away my sin. But the other one is, hey, I need to survive. And I, I want to make sure that I'm, I'm good for the future. And so it makes sense that I should make as much money as I can to protect myself. Again, the issue here is not the, the making of money, but rather, notice at the end where he talks about all such boasting is evil. This arrogance that comes along with that. 
And the arrogance comes in, in our trust and, and the things that we look at our own lives and say, this is what we have to do. This is all on us. So he talks about going in and, and starting this business, whatever, in a different town. I don't know what it was like back then, but I know today, eight out of 10 businesses fail in the first 18 months. Uh, and the people are usually left with, without any money. You know, they are, they're broke. And, and then the other part of it is, is how much of it depends on you. And to realize in humility that, as he says, we're like a vapor, a mist, that once the sun comes out, it gets burned off, that, that our lives are like that. We don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. I thought about that as I was looking through this week. I thought about last week. In, in 22 years as a pastor, I have not missed preaching because I've been sick. It's never happened. Last week, it almost happened. And uh, I actually had a garbage can right on by the, the, the uh, curtain over there. And Jeff was sitting in a chair waiting to come and take my place. And there were probably three or four times that I was kind of holding on, getting a deep breath because I was sick. And it just made me realize that, that as you, th- you think about those plans, how quickly, have you ever had plans where you had to change because you were sick? Maybe go on a vacation or something really exciting that you wanted to do. And as your friends are getting on a plane, you're, you're sitting in a bathroom somewhere at home and, and just in absolute misery and you just want to lay down. And, and it's that reminder, things like that, on how fragile our lives is and our lives are and how much we depend on God for everything that we do. And that's the point. As you look at this, to understand that, that there is a certain arrogance that each and every one of us have as we make our plans because all of them are around us and all of them are about what we want. The next one, Job 38, 1 and 2 also talks about this when it says, then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. He said, who is this that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? Job had gone through a lot of suffering in his life and he wanted to ask God, why? God, why are you doing this to me? And I'm gonna put God on trial and and make God answer me. And, And God's first discussion with Job was, Job, you don't even know what you're talking about. You have such a limited view of what is going on, you have no idea. And so in the blank you can write, our plans are based on limited knowledge and can be self-serving and self-centered. Based on limited knowledge and can be self-serving and self-centered. But God suggests that perhaps we look at our lives a little bit differently. And we start with Psalm 31, verses 14 and 15. Again, the words of David as he looks at his life and and all of the things that are going on. Remember, David's the king at this point, that that he's the king and, and everything is under his power and at his disposal. And this is what he says. But I trust in you, Lord. I say you are my God. My times are in your hands. Deliver me from the hands of my enemies, from those who pursue me. 
And even though David, on the one hand, was the king and in charge of the armies, the one who would fight these battles, that, that he knew that and he had a responsibility that at the very same time, he knew all of these things were in God's hands and according to God's plan. And he needed to turn to him for help. And also it gave him confidence as he went to the future, knowing God was in charge. 2 Corinthians 6 verse 2 says, talking about God, for he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. So, so as we look at this, today's the day that, that as we look at this for the, for the plans we have for our future and, and our plans with our God. And so in the blank, you can write, God has given me my life as a time to get to know him as my savior. God has given me my life as a time to get to know him as my savior. This is called the time of grace. This is your time of grace. This is your time, the time of your life. Now is the time to get to know your God. Now is the time to come to faith in him. Now is the time to have that faith strengthened by him through Jesus Christ. And so my encouragement to you is plan accordingly. To ask yourself the question, how do the plans that I have reflect the priority that God is in my life? It's difficult. And, and as I look at this, what I think one of the biggest things that, that happens to us is distraction. And usually the way this plays out in, in our house is it starts with my wife asking me my least favorite question. Are you busy? Okay, what do you want? Can you run down to the store for me? You know, she's cooking. Can you get some eggs? Fine, I'd be happy to run down to the store and get you some eggs. So I hop in the car, make sure I got some money, go down there. And of course, the eggs are always in the back, the farthest away point of the store. And so I, I go running in the store and I'm like, what? Oreos two for one? Count me in. You know, so you start there. Whatever is on the end, end of the aisles where they pay the good money for. And so I'm, I'm looking for these deals and all of a sudden I go from getting eggs to shopping, and it's totally different. And, and so there's no way I'm getting Oreos without milk. So I go there next, and, and I'm working my way, and maybe even get a shopping cart, and then I go and I check out, and I get home, and Tanya asks me, where are the eggs? <laughs> I'll be right back. I'm not, I'm not done shopping yet. And that's because it's distraction. That's the way it works, and, and in our lives, there are things that are going on and it's not that they're not important. It's not that they aren't things that you don't want to do, but when they distract from the one thing and the one purpose why God has put us here in the first place, that, that you need to make sure that is the priority. My time of grace. And, and to know also it's others' times of grace as well. And to direct them also to that grace of God in Jesus Christ. Once that happens, once we do that, it also affects the way that we plan. In James 4, verse 15, it says, instead, you ought to say, so instead of these arrogant schemes to make money and do the, all those other things, instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will do this or that. You know what, God? This is my plan, but 
This is my plan, which is contingent upon your will. Whatever you say, Lord, you know what? That's what we're going to go with. The next portion is, is when Jesus himself said this same thing, his, the same submitting to the Lord's will. This was the day before he died. Monday, Thursday, that evening, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he, went, he withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, beyond the disciples, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done. Do you realize what a crazy prayer that is? Your will be done. And, and we pray it in the Lord's Prayer. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's so dangerous. And the reason why it's a dangerous prayer is look at Jesus when he prayed it. Make it clear when, when Jesus was saying, what, what are his, his words there? If it's possible, may this cup be taken from me. And the cup was the cup of God's wrath, the cup of death. And, and so in essence, Jesus was saying, Father, if there is any way for people to go to heaven other than through me going to the cross and paying for sin, let's do that. Let, let's make that plan A. Because Jesus knew exactly what was going to happen and, and knew that this wasn't something that was simple. He knew the, the pain that would be involved. Carrying the load of sin, the separation from the Father, all of those things that we deserve because of our sin. And yet, as he said that, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. So as Jesus prayed this prayer within 24 hours, he was dead and had suffered for the sins of all mankind. That's a dangerous prayer. And so in our lives, where is it that you are praying your will be done? What parent wants to pray your will be done as they think about the future of their child? If a part of that could possibly be that God would take them from that. I don't want that. I, I, I have to believe you don't want that. And yet all of this comes as we look at this trusting the God that we in, in, have entrusted with our time of grace. The, the one that we have entrusted with our eternal future. That we also trust him for our day to day living as well. Another place I, I think about this is where I don't know. I don't know what God wants necessarily is as we look at beyond the, our beyond borders and, and looking to the future of, of Crosswalk and, and how we're going to reach out best. Right now we have our eyes on a piece of land and a piece of property and we'd like to build a building. My question to you, if, what if God says no? What if he says, you know what? Crosswalk will be able to reach more people as a portable church. By, by instead of thinking about a building, think about different, different places where we can go. I'm not necessarily thrilled about that plan. But you know what? Your will be done, Lord. And, and let me know how I can serve doing it. Whatever it is, whatever you are going through, your will be done. Submitting yourself to God's will, knowing God has a plan that's eternal. And then finally, as we make priorities and plans in our own lives, they're going to reflect his. In Matthew 6, verse 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. 
Remember, this was part of a, a discussion Jesus was happening, and he, and he first of all pointed out the lilies of the field, then he pointed out the birds of the air, and, and how uh, they, God gave them what they needed, both things to wear, place to live, and God will take care of you as well. And that's when he said, but seek first, not that those things, you don't need those things, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And this is talking about priorities, putting first things first and knowing that these other things will fall in line. In Titus 2, the same idea of priority. It says, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. So what God's word teaches us to do, it, it teaches us to say no to the wrong things and yes to the right things. In the blanks, you can write, our plans teach us to say no to the wrong things so that we can say yes to the right things. One of the, the areas where I, I think it's very valuable if you have children, uh, especially this time of year, if they have gotten uh, Christmas gifts and, and one of the things that they get now are gift cards and, and they go to the store and they have a $25 gift card or whatever they have. And, and now they have this $25 and, and so they can get this and this and this or they can get that. And, and, what, and what they realize is that if they really want to say yes to this thing, they have to say no to those other things. You can't say yes to all of them. You don't have enough money for that. And in the same way in our lives, we have to realize that, that there's also not just a limited amount of money, there's also a limited amount of time, 24 hours in the day. And, and, and seven days in a week. And so as we look at this, do you look at your schedule in your calendar in that way? When you think of the things that you are going to say no to, so there are things that you can say yes to. The biggest area where I see this, and again, remembering our, our time of grace, remembering the priorities that God has given us, the, the areas where I've, I see it most as a discipleship pastor is in the areas of, of, of our relationship with God, specifically personal devotion time, worship time, and, and taking the time to be here, and also in, in the ministry that we do. Uh, your personal service, whatever that happens to be. And I understand that there are a lot of demands uh, that, that come in from, from outside, and what I'm talking about is starting with your planning instead of having that dictated to you to, to start to set a plan that reflects the values that you have in Christ. And it starts by saying no, understanding what to say no to. And for me, probably the biggest one is saying no to television. I mean, the, the amount of wasted time I'm not talking about the other things that need to be done, but no to the things that are, are simply a waste and, and are not healthy for me, uh, either spiritually or physically. Say no to ungodliness, no to sin, and yes to God's plan for you. Again, in the blank, I already had our plans. Teach us to say no to the wrong so that we can say yes to the right things. 
Today's lesson, as you look at being booked and the, the effects that, that it has on our lives, it, where we started with was with God's plan. And take comfort in that plan because that is a plan for you. God's plan to make you, or to bring you to be with him in heaven. And now my encouragement is that as you make your plans, that you remember those priorities as well and where you are going in your life. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, each of us realize we do have... uh, a lot of things going on in our lives. We are booked. We, we have a lot of time pressures and, and people who want a piece of that time. But Lord, as we do that, let us start by thanking you for the time that you have given to us, that you are there for us at all times. Uh, whether it's in your word or as we go to you in prayer, Lord, thank you for being for us all of the time. And now, Lord, in our lives, help us to make difficult choices. Help us to learn to say no to the things that are not valuable, that don't reflect our values, that don't reflect the fact that we are living in our time of grace. But let us to say yes to the things that do last in eternity. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So before we close, if you would like more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, head over to crosswalkphoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue and Baseline on Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. Visit our website for directions. And now some closing thoughts from Pastor Dan. Today, as we went through God's word, we looked at God's plan, and and now taking that into our lives can be difficult, and and having very practical day-to-day ways to help, and two things that I'd like you to consider as you look for that help, if you're a person who, who really does need that help with planning, two different things. One of them on January 24th is a Christian planning seminar, and that will be much, it'll be practical. As we we look at uh, the time, talents, and treasures that God gives us and, and how we can do specific planning to help with that, so that's one thing to consider. The other is as you are looking at your plan for, for crosswalk and, and being involved, hashtag church. It, it's going to be starting in, in just a little bit. It's, uh, if you just go out across the patio, it's, you go in the door where youth ministry is. There's a choir room and there are people there to help. If you're even somewhat considering that, take a moment to do that today and I think you will be very happy that you did. And finally, as you go, go with the Lord's blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you on the patio.